You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Absent Minded. Uh, Monday evening in Sweden and uh, Monday morning in Montreal, where we have Andrew Sadarnowski, um, obviously writer for Eyes on the Prize, but also part of the uh, TSN 690 on Sunday mornings. You more or less done a hit like this, but we try to change it a little bit from your performance yesterday. That was great, by the way. No, thank you very much. I I, I really felt the the emotion after uh, the week that Montreal had. And what a week it was. It, it's um, four losses, as you mentioned. I, I just looked at the like the week, not the weekend last time as well, where we lost to to New Jersey, but um, Columbus five two. Ottawa in overtime, 2-1, and New York coming back from a 4-0 lead, uh, uh, 4-0 down to, to win 6-5 in, 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 in regulation as well. I think that, that was hurtful. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I had uh, memories of that game in 2008 where Montreal came back from being down, what was it, 5-0 uh, and won the game in shootout 6-5. Well, this is the other end of that of that. Uh, bookend right this is the rangers getting revenge for that game 11 years ago and coming back from 4-0 and winning it in regulation but for montreal um these are these are it's it's possible like because of the parity in the league it's very possible to you know to lose a game against a, a team lower in the standings it's quite possible to lose a game against the worst team uh, you know it's that's the way the league is set up and you know it's for the parity it's you want all the teams to be equal and strong but when you start looking at a trend of losing four games in a row against teams lower in the standings losing the lead in all four of those games and also um you know you're coming out with only two points out of eight those this is a this is a bad trend for Montreal because they have given up points. Last year they talked, you know, they missed the playoffs by a point or, or two or whatever. And there's always the talk of, you know, every point counts. Well, this past week we saw Montreal probably lose up to five points in the standings by blowing those leads in those games. And that's that's not one bad game. That's not like, you know, two bad games. This is critical five points that may impact their ability to make the playoffs this season so you know i was quite critical about the team yesterday on on my radio hit on tsn 690 and uh, and i'll continue down that trend right now because you know we still haven't seen montreal make any adjustments from that past week it started really with with the injury to to jonathan dra how much has that impacted the team in in, in general I, i think it's had a very big impact because Jonathan Drouin was definitely Montreal's top offensive threat on the team, while other players like Jesperi uh, Kotkaniemi and Max Domi, um, you know, and to a lesser extent, um, like uh, Arturi Lekkinen, they weren't really performing. They weren't scoring goals. And, you know, Drouin kind of had the team on his back. And now with Drouin injured and, and Paul Byron injured as well, um, no one's really stepped up the, to the plate to to put up those goals. I mean, Montreal did score five goals against Washington, but, uh, you know, that's that's the other side of the coin was that their lack of a defensive structure, their lack or their inability to play a full 60-minute game and uh, that's cost them four games in a row now. We talk about this the the three uh, the third period um and and uh, giving up the leads is it down to conditioning or or is it just like a mental lapse or 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 
where can we draw this? I mean, I can see this coming from, you know, like uh, I always have that game where, where Sweden was up five, uh, Finland was up five nil and Sweden, Sweden turned it around and won in, in regulation as well. But, and, and you could see the players actually, the Finnish players gave up. Like they know this, mm. the, the, the winning goal was going to come uh, when they had a timeout at that point. And, uh, it, it, is it that that they are just you know we're gonna lose this now when it starts to go against them or, or is it conditioning that they haven't done the work in summer? I quite frankly I think it's a question of of, of talent. Uh, I, th- I think Montreal will only play as good as uh, all the individual pieces playing along, along the same system, following the same pattern, and and not making mistakes. Uh, as soon as you st- they start making mistakes, as soon as they start. Um, like not marking their players correctly. As, start, as soon as they start thinking individually, that's when things fall apart for them. And I think that they tend to panic in the third period because they know that you know they, they're just tight, tight on their sticks and they know that the lead could slip away. And, and I think that it's an overall level of, of, of panic. And once you get to that point where players are playing individually as individuals, then there's not enough talent on this team to beat... M- a lot of the teams in the NHL these days. So you say it's uh, uh, the sum of, of of the parts is greater, but when they when when you break these part parts apart, uh, it, it it turns sour more or less, and and uh, you yeah. can't. Uh, and that's where strong leadership in the locker room is is very important. But Shea Weber can only do so much himself, and Shea Weber has been playing very well, and he's putting up the points and. I forget what his point run right is right now, but he's he's among the top scoring defenders I think in the league. If maybe I'm wrong, but I believe he's quite quite high up there. Um, but in general, like uh, we know we know the defense is is lacking in high end talent, and they must rely on strong systems play, uh, and that will only get them so far before um, the opposing teams find the weakness in that system and and learn to exploit it. In, in other sports, teams like this have had success. We look at Sweden. We look at the, in in football. Uh, we look at other teams in, in in many ways. Italy is is one of those teams that you know actually comes away with a championship as well. Not just Sweden going to the quarterfinals. But but you have this and and uh, why, why isn't it working for for Montreal? Uh, hard to say. I mean, we, you can you can point to a lot of things, and you know, it could be coaching, it could be talent, it could be conditioning, like you said. Hard to find one reason. The league is so uh, so competitive now, and there's so much parity that every little mistake is exploited. So I think a lot of the players are are playing not to make a mistake versus playing to the the high end of their ability. Um, and that's and that's what I think the league's all about, and I think that's where Montreal is stuck right now. Is that they they're playing not to lose versus playing to win. Where how, how do you change this? We, the, Jonathan Drouin just got injured. He he'll be out for I think it was six to eight weeks. Um, and and I mean, is it time to hit that panic button and and go somewhere? Or you're looking at the prospect pool. What do you give up in order to get something to fix it? Most uh, um, we've seen some of the comments on on the articles from last night that uh, you know trade Lekkonen will get something for him, but everyone is so down on Lekkonen right now. Even if he scored three goals this chance uh, this week, but you know it didn't lead anywhere. And uh, but but he's not going to give you a first 
pairing defender or even a second pairing defender, it will have to be uh, a deal, much like in, in the same way as uh, Vegas did with, with Pacioretty and, and gave Montreal, uh, Tatar, uh, Norlander and, and, and Suzuki in a way. Yeah, and you know, a package deal is something that Mark Bergevin tends to shy away from. He likes his one-for-one trades. Um, and for the most part, they've worked out thus far. I don't think Mark Bergevin is the type of GM who will panic. I think he will definitely... I think he knows what kind of team he has. He knows what the weaknesses are. If he doesn't, then that's a bigger problem. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure he's aware that the defense needs a boost. And that's why he tried to get Jake Gartner this summer. And Gartner decided not to sign with Montreal, signed elsewhere. Um, so... That just that attempt to sign him shows that there's a, a an understanding of the team's weaknesses. Um, I don't think is it time to panic. I, well, like I said, Bergeron won't panic, but it, it is time to kind of send a message. Um, and the message can be as simple as um, you know bringing up a few players from the Rocket. Um, for example, even Matthew Pekka's playing well, so eh, whatever. Try him instead of Charles Houdon. Um, maybe even send Kotkaniemi to Laval for a game or two, just just to kind of get him away from Claude Julien for a game or two and, and, and play his game. Because I think for Kotkin Yemi, he's definitely one of the players that should be contributing to the solution, but instead uh, is in the coach's doghouse and not getting the minutes right now. So that's, that's a delicate situation that needs to be managed. But um, I don't know if right now Kotkin Yemi is capable of, of playing his way out of it. I think he needs some, some time uh, away from Montreal, go to Laval, play a couple of games, now I know there is a potentially some some contractual questions there whether he's willing to go to the AHL rather than go back to Finland and I, I you know I don't I don't want to dive into that whole theoretical problem but definitely I think for him to step away from Montreal for a game or two play big minutes in Laval I think would benefit him personally and would benefit the team if he comes back more confident and comes back more uh, more ready to take on a, you know, to play a larger game in some ways as the, as the um current European on the pod, uh, I think that his contract, he, he's out of contract in EU, so so really he doesn't have a contractual issue. He, he can't go back because there are no contract uh, available for him. He has to sign I a see. new contract. And, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we saw that happening with Jesse Pugliari, but I, I don't think that that's the way to go. Um, you would have to think that... Uh, Looking back at, at the history of, of NHL in many ways, you have that sophomore slump. Shouldn't Montreal have been prepared for this with, with Kotkaniemi? I think so. And I think they would have been if Ryan Paling didn't have a, a much bigger slump. Because I think Paling is um, underperforming right now based on expectation. He had that injury in the preseason that kind of made that decision to send to Laval a lot, lot easier. But I think they were hoping that he'd be NHL ready within you know let's say by November and when he was called up from Laval he he definitely did not look like an NHL ready player and the decision to send him back to Laval and start bringing up Charles Houdon makes sense um, if Paling was playing at a higher level and I don't want to say at the level of the, the first game he played last season because that that level is 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 unachievable and un- unmaintainable but it was fun to watch but you know I think a Paling that's capable of playing in NHL would help the team and would make a decision to send Kotkaniemi to Laval a lot easier. But because he's not, um, 
you know, you look at other options. Michael McCarron is a call-up potential. Uh, Matthew Peck, like I mentioned. You know, there was also Phil Veroni, but he's injured right now. So, you know, Kotkaniemi has so much potential, and to replace him with a, a player of lesser talent but known output may be a solution for a game or two, but it's not a long-term solution. So whatever they decide is best for Kotkaniemi is best for the team. But right now, just leaving him now and doing nothing, I don't know if that's the right approach. You look at Jesse Pugliari, you look at some of the other early draft picks and, and giving them maybe a year in, in AHL or, or, or uh, before bringing them over. Is this a reaction to his season last year? You know, he, he probably saw he looks uh, fitter, he, he looks bigger. Uh, has he put on too much and, and that has hurt his uh, uh, skill? I think so. I definitely think that putting on, have you put on what, 20 pounds? 20 pounds of muscle? Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, something, yeah it, that's that's a lot of additional weight for someone who's used to playing a skill game. Um, and, you know, we can use the example of Charles Houdon, who last year also put on a lot of weight because he was preparing himself to play fourth line no more and and wasn't able to play that fourth line role because that's just not the type of player that he is. So, you know, I, I think making players put on muscle to make them, you know, tougher along the boards and all that, it's not for everyone. Some players are just skill players and you need to exploit that talent versus forcing them into a different role. Uh, I think, and that's what's happening with Kotkaniemi right now is that they're, they're kind of molding him into a a uh, a center that's more of a um, you know a forechecking, backchecking, two-way center that's hard on the puck and and battles along the boards and wins those board battles. I think that's what who they want him to be, but I'm not necessarily sure that he's the type of player who's capable of playing in that role. So this this attempted transformation of his um, a will cause problems in the present. Um, it may not yield the results they want in the future. Um, and, and that's where he is right now. He's kind of stuck between two personalities of, of who he was last season and who they want him to be next season. And also, like, if you put on 10 kilos or, or 20 pounds of muscle, his skating wasn't that good to begin with. It's going to impact his skating as well. And, and unless you do this with a skating coach and, and build from that, you, you're not going to get that maybe explosiveness that is needed. Or, or uh, I know how, how the skating coach worked with Lekon and Frelunda that he didn't get enough power. He had very powerful legs, but he didn't get enough power down to the blade. And mm -hmm. and, and to change that and, and to change the whole setup. And I think this is, you know, when we're so focused and, and you see it in, in when people are talking about prospects from Europe, they need to build up muscle and they need to get used to the small eyes. And, and sometimes, you know, this is what, what the old guard used to say. And and the game is going so much faster. They're going so much uh, smoother. And, and maybe, you know, you look at Elias Pettersson. He hasn't put on much muscles uh, and, and he still controls the game pretty well. Yeah, and just European players in general, It's I don't, I don't want to stereotype too much, but they're more known for... For, for skating and finesse and stick handling. And the NHL is more about, you know, dumping the puck and chasing it down and trying to win the board battles and, you know, and cycle the puck along the boards until you find your lane. It, it's a different type of game. And, you know, bringing in the skill from over Europe is, is I think, a, a good idea. But then to 
to fundamentally change who those players were to try to fit an NHL mold. I don't know if that's necessarily the right strategy, but that that could just be me. It's another cacophony of errors that that you bring into this week that we've seen. Uh, I actually went to do uh, went up to have a bite uh, during Saturday night or, or Sunday morning uh, for me, and and saw the score being four nil and thought, ah, this is great. And and waking up in the morning after, I was I was surprised to see the final score. What really went wrong against against the Rangers? Because that's the last game we saw, and and maybe uh, the most impactful with with the result being four nil up and and. And even having the lead in, in the third period, well, Econ scores the 5-4 goal and still losing a regulation. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those games where the go- the chances were going in for Montreal, but they never really seemed in control of the game. So if anything, it was a it was a weakness on the Rangers goalie end that kind of gave Montreal that false cushion. But, uh, you know, they, they scored... Um, that shorthanded goal they scored in the third, really you can see all momentum sapped out of Montreal. And then they, you know, that that killed them, that that shorthanded goal right after Lekkonen scored. Well, Lekkonen scored, then Panarin scored, and then Brendan Lemieux scored that shorthanded goal that tied the game. You can see all the air just leaving Montreal as if they're like, that's it, we're done. Like, we're going to lose this game. And, and and they did. And Truba scored a, a few minutes later to, to, to give them that sixth goal. And it was just unfortunate that they just ran out of gas. And Montreal had another power play after they, you know, they were down by a goal in the third. And they couldn't capitalize on that. And, and just things went poor for them. It's not like they got into penalty trouble. It's not that they, you know, just had unfortunate luck. But I think it was just a combination of of a false um how do i put this false thinking that you were in control of the game because of the score and, and that was in fact not the, not the case i think i think the rangers were never never out of the game despite being down 4-0 uh and and it just came back to bite montreal in the ass when i spoke to christian feline early this summer uh, he said that there are um psychologists uh, working with the team and you can get the help you need is it time to bring in the psychologist and actually work with the whole team not just on, on player to player basis when the player is asking for help um i it's never a bad thing i mean the mo- the most dangerous thing is to get into a mental slump where you lose all confidence in yourself because that's part of the part of hockey is, is being confident in your play and confident in what you do and confident that you're going to win that puck and confident that you're going to win that game uh, and if you start doubting yourself and if there's enough players on the team that are doubting themselves then that's a very dangerous uh thing i mean look at ottawa right now no one had any expectations for them at all but then from day one they were saying you know we are not going to let people's the criticisms define who we are we're going to go out there we're going to play hard every game we're going to play as a team and and we're going to win games Uh, and that's in fact what ottawa is doing right now like ottawa is 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 turning it on despite not having those expectations and those marquee names in their lineup. There's a bunch of young, hungry kids that absolutely refuse to lose. And, and I think that's the mentality that's necessary in the NHL to be successful. So if you combine that mentality with having the talent and the experience, then that's, you know, that's, that's a winning combination. And I think to bring in the psychologist to ensure that the existing players don't go down this spiral of losing confidence in themselves and losing confidence in the coach and just being able to get back to being who they're supposed to be. Um, that's definitely not a bad thing, but it just comes down to 
what the team thinks is is best because at the end of the day the players are just the soldiers you know they're, they're just the moving pieces on the chessboard it's down to the to the organization to determine how they want to move them looking at the table uh, montreal is, is third in the atlantic but uh, two teams are, are actually ahead of them in in uh, on points for the wild card and and or, or Philadelphia is tied, but Pittsburgh has 28 points instead of Montreal's 27. Uh, you also have to look down on the wild card race, and you see uh, teams like uh, Toronto and Tampa that you have to assume will bounce back. Uh, you mentioned it's time to send a message. It's time to do something from 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 the management. Uh, what can be done? I, I always had a soft spot for for Hampus Lindholm. Um, it's it's a battle between the the two of the three California teams to 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 win the uh, draft lottery this year. Um, what would it take to to get someone like Hampus uh, from a, a bottom team uh, into to Montreal to help stabilize that left uh, flank of, of of the defense uh, and and maybe stay in that playoff race and, and even make a push uh, for the cup later on. Yeah, I mean, you definitely identified the correct team to look at. Um, Mark Bergeron probably want to look at the kind of bottom tier teams who are who are struggling in this season, who may want to throw in the towel for this year and improve for next year. Um, and, and Lincoln is definitely on the Ducks, one of those players that can fetch a nice return, a nice future uh, somewhere else. And Uh, the question is first comes down to the, those teams admitting to themselves that they're out of the playoff race and changing strategies for for a future. Um, and that's when you deal with Anaheim can happen if you trade someone. For, uh, I think someone like Noah Juleson is is expendable. You know, you, between Kale Fleury and Noah Juleson and Andy, to a certain extent, Josh Brook, you have three young right-handed defensemen that are all developing at the same pace. So you can't all insert all of them into the lineup at the same time. You need to stagger um, your 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 experienced players with your younger players. So one of those three, for me, is expendable, and I think that's Noah Juleson, who is a a solid 20 minute defenseman in the NHL, but nothing flashy, nothing you know, won't put up too many points, but a solid NHL defenseman, and that's the kind of player that Mark Bergeron would have to give up to get a an experienced uh, player right now. Another player I was looking at was uh, Shane Ghostberry from um, from Philadelphia. He was uh, a healthy scratch recently. His name was always linked with Montreal for the past few years. And he's one of those players that, although he plays for a team that's still in the playoff hunt, uh, and Philadelphia is very much in that same amount of points as Montreal, he's a player that seems to be able, would benefit from a change of, of, of change of team, change of environment. So for that kind of player, Montreal would look within themselves to see who of their players could use a change of environment, change of, you know, just a different change of address to to get themselves going and um on montreal's end it's it's hard to identify one particular player who can use a change of address but always arturi lekkinen um you know high expectations not much point production on his end but that's not what he's known for but he's a potential someone who can be you know be traded to another team for a good decent return in a one for one trade like Bergevin likes to do so th there are options out there and i think you know Bergevin has identified the weakness it's just a question of of not giving up too much to correct the present because right now this is not a right now they're not a championship team Right now, they're going to fight for a playoff position and, you know, hope for two rounds, maybe three rounds at best. You're not going to give up all your first-round picks and all your high-end prospects to fix today. 
because it's not worth it. I mean, the most glaring classic historical example is Montreal trading a first round draft pick for Alex Tangay back in what year was that? 2009, 2008, I think it was 2008. They traded a first round draft pick for Alex Tangay uh, and then they didn't resign him after the season. So what was the point of that? You know, you give up a potential first round pick player that's going to be with your organization for six, seven years for one guy that puts in one season and you don't resign him. That was ridiculous. So that's the most extreme example of something that Mark Bergeron would never do. And I think he's always going to be careful. He's always going to look at his options. But I think it is time to execute on one of those options right now. And also, next year's draft is in Montreal. You don't want to sit there and, and not have a first-round draft pick and not be part of the draft in Montreal uh, the first day. Uh, yes and no. I don't think Mark Bergeron is too concerned about putting on a show. You know what I mean? Uh, I think if, you, if there's a deal to be made that improves the team for today and for the next several years, he will trade that first-round draft pick, even if the, pick is, if the draft is in Montreal. I, 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 I wouldn't tie... Mark Bergevin unwilling to trade because of the draft being in Montreal. Although it be, it's great for the fans, uh, don't get me wrong, I don't think Mark Bergevin is worried about the show. Mark Bergevin on the hot seat? Uh, not yet. But, you know, if they don't make the playoffs this season, uh, I think it gets really, really hot. Will he be, uh, if it goes south, will he be uh, some packing, uh, much like uh, Mike Babcock, uh, mid-season or, or, or a quarter season? Uh rather than, than wait for the summer? Well, if you're changing general managers, you know, you're gonna, if you, any kind of mid-season change, it's hard to recover the season. So um, if they don't plan on going ahead with him, if the team's going to miss the playoffs again, um, you know, you could probably see a dismissal coming towards the end of the season so that whoever, so they have time to interview candidates and then whoever they end up hiring has the time to prepare for the draft, prepare for uh, free agency, You know, because those are the, the those come up rather quickly after the season ends. So you want to maximize the time for the new GM to to be able to, to to study and implement a strategy for that for those two events. Looking forward, we we have a couple of games coming up. Uh, Boston is is obviously the, the main game coming this weekend or this week. Um, we have uh, they're on top of the division. Uh, Montreal has played very very well against teams that are ahead of them or, or are supposed to be better than them. And can Montreal bounce back? Certainly hope so. I mean, they proved that they can play against the best teams by by beating Washington, and they did an amazing job against Boston um, at the beginning of the month, where they shut down that that their top line to almost to no uh, opportunities. Um, but I think this is a different Montreal team right now than the first game against Boston. A lot has changed in these three weeks, and I think we're dealing with a much more fragile Montreal team. Um, You know, a, a because of injury to to Byron and to Drouin, but also just psychologically, I think they're they're on their heels a little bit. This game against Boston will be huge for their um, for their confidence if they can keep Boston to a tight game. And I don't mean necessarily win; like I mean, winning would be amazing to break this this skid, but keep it tight, keep it close, and never lose uh, never lose the game and play a full 60 minutes. I think that will go huge to rebuilding their their confidence because they're a shaky team right now and if they let boston walk away with this then um yeah, it's going to be a rough lead-in into christmas is this the defined game of the season so far um for now yes i would say yes because of the skid they went on because of the four unacceptable 
um, losses they had this past week. Uh, if they can't come back and prove that they belong with the best teams in the league, then very much um, I think the, the season will start getting away from them after this game. Thank you, Andrew. We'll be back later this week with another pod. Um, this, that pod will probably focus on, on the uh, player of the month for, for Montreal if, if there is someone that is um, earning that. Uh, title this year or, or this month sorry but um, thank you for taking the time it's uh, obviously work day for you uh, so uh, we appreciate this and uh, look forward to have you on another day thank you very much Patrick I look forward to being back on Digger. <laughs>